You're listening to This Blonde Can Talk About Anything, episode 33, slash This Blonde Can Talk About Anything with Anyone, episode I've lost count. (laughs) So um, if you've been listening for weeks, you know, welcome back. And if this is your first time listening, welcome. This is a very different podcast from what you're probably used to. Um, When I conduct interviews, it's not so much me asking questions like a journalist, it's more of a, like an open discussion, which I much prefer because, um, you really get to know the person's personality and it's just fun and it flows. And, and I just enjoy doing it that way. If I wanted to ask hard hitting questions, I would have stayed in journalism school, (laughs) but uh, instead I went into the acting field and, uh, and then I started this podcast for fun during, during COVID-19 and, uh, discovered that, a lot of you guys uh, liked it. So, you know, I started booking guests. So this week I have my favorite guest since Brad Dorif, probably my favorite guest period um, for so many reasons. I mean, I'm sort of tongue tied because I'm still, you know, a little kid when it comes, <laughs> when it comes to, um, to this, you know, I'm just a kid committed to being a kid for life, but life is not a nightmare. So that's great, right? If you didn't get that reference, you need to educate yourself. It was a joke, a play on I'm just a kid and life is a nightmare. You know, the Simple Plan song. Yes, the band Simple Plan um, being Canadian. It's a huge deal that I have their incredible drummer. Chuck Como on the show this week. Um, we had a really good chat and you're going to hear it obviously, but he was just so humble and so kind. And I knew he was all of that, but he exceeded my expectation of what he might be like if we engaged in any sort of conversation. And I'm so grateful to Chuck for having come on the show in the first place, because he's a busy man simple plan just put out a new song it's called the antidote and i think you should check it out it's available wherever you get your music and it's a really good song um i probably should have said this earlier i always forget to say it earlier this podcast is available on itunes spotify iHeartRadio, sound and soundcloud if you're listening to it on the host website please exit and go listen to it on one of those um, streaming platforms. If you're listening to it on iTunes, leave a comment. It's helpful. Um, if you're listening to it on Spotify, you know, thanks for the hit. And just thanks for tuning in, especially if you're a first time listener. I really hope that um, you're going to enjoy the conversation that Chuck and I had about all sorts of, you know, interesting things, but mostly how important it is to remain humble. And how Simple Plan has managed to do that for two decades. Yes, two decades. That band, the my favorite band, has been highly successful for 20 years. And that makes me feel really old. But um, I'm going to stop rambling on because I think listening to Chuck is so much more interesting than listening to my nonsense. So without further ado, I bring you my, um, let's call it an in conversation with Chuck Como, drummer of Simple Plants. I'm so excited that you agreed to do this because I've been a fan since I was like a just a kid and life is a nightmare. <laughs> Right. <laughs> it's been it's been a long time yeah um, thank you thank you appreciate that yeah well I appreciate you so much because you're you're in my opinion you're like the, the best you know drummer of of your generation so well I try my best <laughs> what can I say you know I you know just try not to mess it up you know that's uh that's the goal do you have a favorite it. drummer like that really influenced you um I think multiple, I think a lot. I mean, it's kind of weird. Like if we go back, like way back when I started out in Montreal, uh, my first favorite band was Pearl Jam. So I would say like that record 10 
um, like the their you know the drummer. Then it's kind of weird. Like it it changed. It was Dave Abruzzi, I think his name was. He doesn't play with them anymore. Uh, but I just love that record. Uh, I went to see them live. It was one of my first concerts I ever saw. Uh, so it was really cool to see. I was probably 13 or 14. I went with my dad. And um, yeah, it was just, uh, it was amazing to see them. Then I got into Rage Against the Machine. I thought they were amazing too. But then I discovered um, a band called Bad Religion. And they were kind of the gateway uh, with them and Offspring and Green Day, they were kind of the gateway to this whole world of punk rock and pop punk. And um, I discovered bands that were on Fat Records. I don't know if you know them, it's kind of like, they're a bit more obscure, but like Lagwagon and No Use For A Name and Strung Out and 10 Foot Pole. And these drummers like Tony Palermo from 10 Foot Pole who now plays with Papa Roach uh, was highly influential. Uh, Jordan from Strung Out, um, you know, all these guys, it was very fast, very technical. And at the time I was in a band with Pierre called Reset and that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to kind of like, I guess we were inspired or maybe you could say we were copying a little bit, but uh, <laughs> what they were doing, but we were just really, really into it. And uh, they're kind of like some of the influences that even today when I play, I still do stuff that was kind of taken from what they were doing. So yeah, there you go. And more recently, I love Taylor Hawkins from the Foo Fighters. I think he's great. great. Someone invited me a couple summers ago that like they were supposed to go to a concert. It was Kiss and they didn't have anyone, their person canceled and Def Leppard opened for them and Richard Allen only has one arm. And I was like, how is he, how is he drumming? Like I, so yeah. That's pretty impressive. I mean, I have trouble doing it with two arms, so I can only (laughs) imagine, but it just goes to show like such a resilience, you know, that you want to be out there, you want to play and you want to, You'll find any way just to keep doing what you love the most, which I think is uh, is uh, is pretty awesome. You One know, thing I, that, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say Travis from Blink. I know that I think one tour he broke his leg and he switched, like he learned how to play the bass drum pedal with the other leg, which would be really hard. Uh, but he just wanted to stay out there, and I think it just goes to show that when you love music, you just you just want to have um, a chance to play it and a chance to do it, you know. Um, so props to them for being able to do that. And you come from, you know, I'm from Ottawa, so you come from Montreal. So I know that the odds of, you know, a band from Montreal making it as big as you guys have, the odds are super slim. And I remember the first time I saw you guys, it was at Blues Fest in Ottawa. And I don't think anybody really was there for Simple Plan because there was all these older women and they were like drunk and high and naked but I was watching it and I was like wow this is so good and then the next time you guys came it was when you released the second album um still not getting any and I took my mom and she was not really into that music at the time and I I just remember like that that particular tour and that particular show of all the concerts that I've ever seen was such a lesson in humility for me because you I don't know how you did it, but you got up from the drum set and you went all the way up to the top where there was like, you know, nosebleeds and you hit all those people's hands. And I was thinking, like, I just remember seeing that and thinking like, if I'm ever, you know, a a big enough person to be important, I hope that I remember to also be nice. And I don't know how, like, how do you maintain that humility when so many other people just at that point, you guys had blown up, you Japan and you guys were everywhere. Right, right. Well, I don't know. I think it's, it's, I mean, first of all, thank you. That's really kind that, you know, uh, of, of noticing the, the kind of the, um, what's been really important for the band is to really stay close to our fans. And, and, and I think never remember, like, like, like never forget and always remember uh, where we came from. And that first and foremost, we were fans, you know, we were fans of other bands and we went to shows and, and, and I can remember a few times like I would stay after the show like at the Spectrum in Montreal or at, at, at like Metropolis behind and just try to like say hi to um to a band member or wait for like an autograph or a photo and you know some some bands were extremely nice and they would oblige and you know they and then some bands were not so much and I remember it really uh made a difference in I mean how much I like loved their music afterwards you know and 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 it made a difference like it like i just remember going like oh wow that's 
that's so weird. Like I spent all this time, you know, being into this band. I, I, I waited outside to see them and they couldn't even take 10 seconds to say hello. And I remember as a fan, before I was in a band, like before I would, like we, we had any fans at all uh, ourselves, I just remember thinking, oh man, like that's, that doesn't make me feel good. And I think that 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 emotion or that that feeling stayed with us, and um, it was always um, something that we never wanted to do to someone else. You know, that was a fan of our music. So obviously, there's times where like you got to run to the airport and you, you wish you could see everybody, and 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 sometimes it has been a bit impossible. But we, I think, we have a track record of 20 years of really going out of our way to just try to make somebody's day and, and, and to make them feel like we see them, that they're important to us. Like they're the reason why we're there. And I think that that has never really left us. And um, it's part of our, like our DNA and who we are as a band. And it's part of our reputation, I think. And uh, yeah, we're proud of that, you know? Well, yeah, you should be, you should be proud of that because, you know, they say never meet your heroes. I have never had the experience where I've met somebody that I really looked up to who was like a total jerk but I have like a lot of friends who are like I met this person and they were mean and the same person was like totally nice to me so it's right. like I don't know like what to make of that so uh, yeah it's it's really beautiful and you guys are still doing that like pizza parties and all these things and the fans are I see it all over Twitter all the time they're like when can we have this and the answer is always the same thing soon soon <laughs> I know yeah we get made fun of for using that word a little bit too much but we're just optimistic so we're always like yeah it's coming it's coming soon you know so it just depends on your on your definition but yeah i think that um i think you know we've been very lucky that we've been given this this opportunity this chance to do what we love the most in life and uh and i think we i think we've always been aware because we were never the band that came out on the first song and it just hit like it blew up it took more time you know like it it in Canada, like I'm just a kid was a, the first song we ever put out was, was a big song kind of right away, but everywhere else it was a struggle. You know, USA it took almost a year, a year, I think a year for any of our song to get anywhere. It was really like a one fan at a time. Like we would go in the crowd and we would meet everybody that was at the show. And um, I think we would win everybody over by our, by playing obviously by our live show, but more importantly, by, just showing them that we were just like them. And um, I think that makes you humble and that makes you realize that uh, like without the crowd, you're, you're nothing. So um, I think that's what happened with us. And um, it's, but also we, um, we, we, we honestly just enjoy it. It's kind of cool, like especially when we were starting out, it was amazing to us that people would like the band and would want to meet us. It was kind of like surreal. And because it happened so gradually, we were able to kind of enjoy every phase as opposed to like when it just goes like, you know, like gigantic right away, like first song, like within months, you're already like selling millions of records. It really didn't happen like that for us. So, and also we had a band before for almost seven, eight years called Reset, uh, where it was way more underground. It was, it was, it was small shows. And there was also like this ethic of like, you're not supposed to be a rock star. You're not supposed to, indulge in like being guns and roses and like being it's it was actually very frowned upon so we come from a world where we always had to kind of check ourselves and make sure that we were you know keeping the sort of diy ethics and we were keeping the the kind of like very non-rock star very humble thing that was part of the scene like if you weren't doing that you were a sellout you were lame so i think that that carried over to our new band you know did you sense. start that band when you were like 13 with Pierre and you and I heard you've ne had the time you had never touched drums before yeah it's exactly how it happened we were in high school uh well in high school in Quebec so I guess that would be seven or eighth grade um so our French teacher out of nowhere he was really into music I think his daughter played bass she was a year older than us and his whole thing was like he want young his students to start bands and um, he saw that me and Pierre were really good friends. And there was this other guy named JS who uh, was also like in our little crew. And he's like, you guys should be in a band together. And I have no idea to this day why he saw something in the three of us. And I'm sure he didn't see anything like what ended up happening, but he was like, hey, you guys should play. 
and Pierre was playing guitar and JS was playing bass. So I was like, okay, all right, cool. I'll play drums then. And um, I started playing drums. I, I really never had played it. I, but from the moment we started playing, I think we, we did two covers of like Nirvana and some other band. And, and then it was like, oh, you know what? This is too hard. Let's just write our own songs. We can decide what the parts are. And, uh, and it just, we didn't ever look back. We just started writing and, um, and, and somehow we got lucky. Uh, we got to open up, we got, we, we were picked, uh, we had a friend that uh, knew a friend that was booking shows and he was like, Hey, you should put these guys on. And we were 14 or 15 at the time. And we opened up for face to face, um, which were an amazing band from California, like uh, in front of a thousand people. And we were like literally 14 and a half, I think. And uh, that's kind of where our, quote-unquote career started that's the first time that people took it seriously like they saw us and, and i remember distinctively after the show like everybody came backstage and they were freaking out they're like oh my god how old are you guys because we looked like we were 12 um <laughs> and cargo records came out and gave us like you know business cards and magazines wanted to interview us and it was like okay wow this maybe we have a sh we always believed in ourselves but then it was like okay, oh, maybe there's something to do here. And then that band went on to uh, do a lot of really cool stuff. We made two albums. We toured across Canada with MXPX and uh, a bunch of awesome bands. We played with Pennywise. So it was kind of, um, it was amazing. It was surreal to be doing it at that age. But for us at the time, it felt normal. It was like, yeah, this is what we're going to do. And we had the really good fortune of finding out what, what, what our passion was very early on. And I know for a lot of young kids out there, they don't know sometimes what they want to do and they're a little lost. And, and I think there's nothing more um, awesome for a young person to like, no, I know what I want. This is what I love. This is my passion. And I know I need to make efforts and sacrifice to get there. And, but I have my, my direction. Like I know where I want to go. And we were lucky enough to have that very young. So I think it kept us out of trouble and it made us just mm -hmm. focus on, 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 on being in a band and writing music and practicing and playing shows and uh, trying to build something, you know? Mm -hmm. I was, you know, also one of those kids who like, I sort of, I knew way before I was, I was, you know, I used to sing, but my dad would always say, you know, this is a very stupid thing. This is never going to happen for you. So I stopped because I wanted to make him happy, sort of stupid. And then when I remember the first time I heard perfect, I was like, oh, somebody else knows that feeling. It's not just me. And right. so I heard that you wrote the majority of that song. Well, I mean, I came up with the, with the idea, like the title, the sorry, I can't be perfect. And sort of like the, well, I mean, we kind of build that together with Pierre. I mean, Pierre and I write all the songs together, but mm -hmm. that concept of like, trying to make your parents happy we were living it like the four of us uh at the time um were all living it you know we were like uh like i was in law school mm -hmm. uh, I didn't and you dropped to, out <laughs> yeah so i didn't really want to go and but that's always in my mind what i was meant to be doing my, my dad was a lawyer my a lot of uncles and it was kind of like the family business in some ways you know um and, um, and, and I was intrigued by it, but at the same time, I had discovered this other thing, this music thing. I was like, oh man, this is what I want to do. And, and Sebastian was trying to be like an engineer. Jeff was, was in, uh, was doing classical guitar at the Montreal conservatory. So it was kind of like, and I think Pierre was the only one that was a little, he was kind of dropped out of school just wanted to do music. Uh, but all of us had kind of tough choices to make. And, and look, now that I, have a kid um i can see their point like it's not the most the safest career choice and career path and i could totally understand why they were you know nervous about it and they were a bit uh skeptical you know because it's like oh yeah i i want to drop out i'm going to be in a rock band we're going to travel the world and play shows like that's you know the odds are long as you said before especially coming from you know, Montreal and, and all that, even though now things have changed and I think it doesn't really matter where you're from, but at the time it made a bit of a difference. Mm. Um, but the one thing I'll say is that I, I guess maybe the difference with some people out there is that we were very fortunate that our parents, even though we had strong discussions about it and uh, they had a different opinion, they didn't really uh, believe that it could maybe happen. Uh, they was 
no matter what, they've always were incredibly supportive of, um, they just wanted to be a hobby, not our main thing. So, you know, like we would practice in our, in our basement, my parents bought me like cymbals and snares and drum kits and they drove us, my dad drove us like seven hours away to concerts because we couldn't drive. Um, I mean, they did it all for us. Um, they, they, they landed us money when we started out the band to buy equipment and, and we would ship like all these FedEx packages to record labels and we didn't have a lot of money. And, you know, we went to the studio and we couldn't afford studio time. So they, you know, they landed us money. Pierre's parents like drove us around as well. So I, it, it's interesting because this song, I think we, we took our feeling and we amplified it a little bit and, and, and we made it like, it was very sincere. That's really how we felt. We felt like we were not living up to what they were hoping for, for us in, in some ways, but at the same time, like after the song came out and I heard all these stories about people and kids, like where parents were really dismissive and, and of, of their dreams and really like uh, harsh, I realized that, Oh shit. Like, there's we were pretty lucky there's so much there's people that had it so worse like so much worse you know uh but still it was it's it's crazy that this very personal experience that we wrote about just resonated with so many people around the world and still today like 20 years later we play the song and you can see the front row like people are still crying are still like it gets really emotional when we play we always close the show with it um and it has become a bit of an anthem for a lot of people. Um, and I think it's a really powerful song. And uh, I'm so grateful that we could use something that happened to us and we could put it out there and, and help people. Like we, get, like we get letters or messages or people coming up and saying like, this got me to reconnect with my dad right before he passed away. Or this got me to like explain to them how I feel, uh, how I felt. And it was like, oh, wow, man. Like it's, it's crazy how music can, can have a power like that, you know? Yeah, no, music is really extremely powerful, which is why when I was a kid, I was so into it and interested in singing and stuff. And my grandpa was like, yeah, do that, do that. You can do that. Like he'd be play my tapes in the car, like he believed in it, but then he died. And so when that happened, my dad was like, this is really dumb. And I, I at first I was like, I'm going to go to college. And then I was like, you know what? I'm not, because if I go there, I'm going to make my dad happy, but I'm not going to be happy. And if I have to do something that I don't want to do for you to love me, then I don't, do I need, do I need you? So what I ended up doing is I moved from Ottawa to Toronto to do acting school. And eventually I got myself to LA and somehow don't know why I was walking down the street and Quentin Tarantino just pulled over his car and was like, are you an actor? And I was like, who I didn't recognize me had glasses on. And I was like, nope. And I just kept walking and he turned around. He was like, excuse me. And I turned around and I was like, I'm so sorry. And it was like in that moment that I realized that, you know, it didn't matter what he thought because I knew I was so like you. And I just knew it. You can feel it in your gut when you're meant for something. Right. And so I, I got to go there and I got to do that. But I don't know if I would have made those same decisions without that song. So I just think that you guys are so you're so special to me and like you especially because like I said I seen the humility in you when I was very young and also I think like drumming is almost like the heartbeat of your band it's the heartbeat of the, the music well you know yeah it's um here's the thing about drums is that if, if it's kind of like I I like to say it's the backbone because if you don't have it it kind of falls <laughs> apart you know the band like if you and it's kind of sucks because when you're playing live you know, like the bass player can kind of make a little mistake and the guitar player can, you know, have a little hiccup there. It, it can kind of keep going. But if the drummer has the hiccup or something and makes it, then that's, you notice, you're like, oh, whoa, what's going on? So, <laughs> yes, I agree with you on that. The spotlight is on, you know, but uh, it's I, I think it's awesome that, you know, like if the song helped you in, in any kind of way, that's 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 really really cool you know it's kind of the reason why as you get older you realize that that's the reason why you do uh what what we do you know it's like i, I think when you're young you don't maybe don't fully understand that this um can have this kind of importance to people you just want to go out there and play and travel and 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 have people like go in the mosh pit and, and have a you know crowd surfing at your shows and all that and that's what's that's the mark of like, oh yeah, we had a great show. 
And then as, I think as you get older and, and also as you meet more people and you've, you become more aware of their life story and, and how music played a role in that, you start to realize that your impact has been a bit deeper than maybe you expected, you know? And, um, and then you start to realize that, oh man, like that's probably the most like rewarding aspect of writing music and, 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 and performing in a band is that you get to, you know, you get to have a, um, like an emotional connection with people from all over the world that maybe don't know you personally, but they feel like you know them or you understand them uh, in ways that are hard to like hard to describe because music just hits like a different level, like a different emotion in people, you know, it's um, so, yeah, I think it's, we've been very, um, very blessed and, and very grateful for the fact that, um, we've our music is as as had like an important role in 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 some people's uh lives and you know i think the more with the years gone like with you know when the years go by like you you it sinks in more and more you know because you get you meet you meet more people and they share more stories and young bands are coming up and saying hey you're the reason why i started playing drums or you're the reason why i you know, I'm in a band today or, you know, like you guys were a huge influence and it's kind of like, huh, you, you, you really, it really starts to, um, I don't know, it, it starts to hit home in, in you as well. You just go like, oh man, that's, it's incredible. You know, and I think it makes you cherish and it makes you appreciate what you do even more. And it makes you realize how precious this whole thing is, you know, like, um, this, this relationship with, with, with music fans and, um, and this position that you're in, you know, special. So we're, um, I think more grateful than ever that we can still get to release new music and we can have a new record coming out soon and people care and people you know, and, and, and people are paying attention and it's like, and that's the greatest gift, you know, it's so hard to grab people's attention nowadays. There's so much going on. So the fact that some, you know, that a lot of people out there are, are still interested because of what we've built in the past and how much it impacted them. The fact that they still want to, um, to listen to us is, um, it's, it's quite special. Yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of, there's been emotional songs and there's been like, you know, the fun songs, like when your mom pisses you off and you just slam the door and put shut up really loud. And then she wants to take the CD and be like, shut up. Yeah, like I mean, the <laughs> band was built on these two things. Like the band is like we we love fun music and we love like super catchy, in your face, tons of energy and like like that kind of vibe. And but we always felt like if we wanted to be a band that was going to be around for twenty years, thirty years, whatever, we needed to have um, more depth as well. You know, not just because I feel like if you're just like the fun band, it's great, nothing wrong with that, but you can get a whole different level um, of connection with your fans if you actually open up and share and, and, and not be afraid to go personal and not be afraid to write songs that are a bit more raw and, and a bit more serious, I guess. Um, and, you know, if you look throughout our, our, like our history as a band, like songs like Untitled and Welcome to My Life and uh, Save You. Uh, <laughs> Like all these yep. songs have been like, I've, I've been really important to a lot of people, you know, which is awesome. Another thing that I really, really love about Simple Plan is you guys love to feature other artists on your songs so much that Summer Paradise has three different collaborations. Which right. one is your favorite of those three? <sighs> wow. Tough question. <laughs> uh, I think they're all great. And, and, and it's funny because, um, well, actually, it's a crazy story. Like, so we had, we love Kanan. Uh, mm -hmm. He was our, like, I guess the first choice that we made, like we, uh, on the album, we thought he was great. Like he, he was from Canada and he was kind of like, uh, I don't know. It's just, we just loved him as an artist. And he had this big, like World Cup song that was massive. I was like, oh man, like this is going to be great. Let's put him on. And he was so nice when we met him and so talented. I love his like what he wrote and the bridge and made it like, made the song a lot better. And um, as we were, so the record came out and, and we always believe in that song. We always felt like Summer Paradise is like the, 
secret little weapon of this record. Like this is the one that's going to be different, like very different for us, but we believe in it and we think it can, you know, reach people and people will like it. And uh, so as, as we're about to release the, um, the song as a single, we reached out to the label because you have to do that when you have a guest and you're going to go to radio with the song. And, and unfortunately, I, I, I don't think it was really him, but his management, his label just felt like, hey, we have a record coming. We, you know, we can't have him be on it uh, because it's going to conflict with the other songs. And it was a different time. It was almost, what, like 10 years ago now? So I think things have changed in lots of ways. Now you can have more things going on, more features at the same time. And you can kind of be everywhere. But at the time, people were a bit more precious about it. So we were really crushed. We're like, oh man, we love this. Like, what, what are we going to do? We need a feature. And then the idea of Sean Paul came up and we were like, oh man, like if you have told me in 2002 that one day we would have a song with Sean Paul on it and it would be like a reggae inspired song, I would have been like, no, that's, you're, you're, on, you're, you're on something. But uh, amazingly, we were like, you know what? Let's just try it. It's gonna be, it could be really rad. We love him. And we ended up, we were on Skype. He was in Germany somewhere. We were in California. We had to get up at like five in the morning and he was doing it in the studio. And we were like, man, this is so rad. This, this in, in, in lots of ways and, 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 and with absolutely no disrespect to Kanan, but Sean Paul was a huge artist around the world. I think even maybe even bigger than Kanan. So in a way, maybe it was a blessing in disguise. And again, I say that with, full admiration of Kanan, like I, I, I'm a huge fan, but Sean Paul, I think opened up so many doors and this song became one of the biggest songs we've had in years. Um, it went like top five in all over Europe and the UK. It was the highest charting song we ever had. It was huge in Canada, uh, all over the world really. And yeah. And then you did it with MKTO. Yes, yes. <laughs> and then we did, we, and then we tried to do a version for USA and they were, they were, they, they were coming up and they were doing really well. And, um, and look, I, my favorite version, if I have to say, I would probably say it's a Sean Paul version just because of how big it became and, um, and just like his whole flow and his vibe. And it was very like, it was kind of like what we had envisioned, like the kind of like Jamaican, you know, dance hall influence, which was really cool. Um, so yeah, I think that's it. If I have to answer, I would say that. I think the MKTO version is the first time that I wanted Pierre to sing a little bit less because I think not the rapper, but Tony Aller who sings has such an incredible voice, but you know, it's Pierre's song. So Pierre sings. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to take up much more of your time, but I, I have to, you know, mention that. Oh, no worries. It's all good. Whatever you need. <laughs> um, you guys, the antidote just came out. Yes. Is, it's blowing up. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And you guys keep asking on your socials for people to, um, what's the antidote right. for them, right? And I made a video jokingly and it was all Tom Brady. <laughs> but really, I think, I think it's you guys. I think you guys, anybody who's listened to a Simple Plan song and sat there and like cried or smiled or slammed the door because they were mad or whatever. I think that it, it really, you know, how many people did that, did that music keep off of the street like I had friends who were you know smoking you know pot and whatever at 12 13 I'm not condemning them but today they have you know serious drug problems and I was at home listening to simple plan I don't have any drug problems because I was listening to that and I was like oh okay so if I'm here if I'm engaged with like you know these four or five guys then I don't have to go out in the street and try to find you know something to to comfort me so really I think when people are going through something, your music is, is truly something that can, it, it's more beneficial than an antidepressant. And I've been put on those before. So I know. <laughs> well, you have the experience. So you tell me, I all <laughs> believe you. Uh, but you know what? It's, it's really interesting. I mean, I think when we wrote the song, we, we really felt like we came up with the idea. I just really liked the word that I was interesting. Cause like when I come up with, with uh, song titles and all that, uh, you know, I, I try to come up with something that feels like different and, and like original that you haven't really heard in the song before, you know? I'm not saying that there's never been a song called that, but it's it, it felt kind of a bit different than just like, I miss you or like, you know, let's go out. You know what I mean? It just felt like a little bit um, like more original and that's why it was intriguing. And then we started thinking about what could it be? And 
you know, it can be like, um, like a girlfriend, a boyfriend, like somebody that's, that's special to you, a friend that's been there forever, a, like a family member that that's always there when you need them, when you, when you need help, uh, it can be, you know, a hobby or something that like, oh man, like when I'm stressed out, like I'm, I, I love going running. All right, cool. That's your antidote. You know, that's, uh, but it could also be like, you're saying it, it, it can be somebody that you don't know, but that you kind of respect and that you're inspired by, or for a lot of people, I think it can be music, you, you know? And, um, I think, you know, we have a song called this song saved my life, uh, yes. art on, which our fans, we kind of co-wrote the song on Twitter with them and they share with us how music made them feel and how the band made them feel. And I'm really blown away because I think music for us has been really important and, um, you know, it has played a huge role and I've, you know, like many times in my life when I was upset about something or sad, I turned to music and it helped me, but I, you know, in full disclosure, like, and being transparent, like I've never had to deal, you know, obviously I had my struggles and, and, and like everybody does, but I was not in extreme situation. Like some people are, you know, like where they're really going through like, like some traumatic, traumatic events with their families or uh, with their, you know, poverty or whatever. So, right. and I feel like when you meet these people and they tell you like, oh man, like you don't understand, like I'm not just, it, 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 it didn't just make me feel better. It stopped me from like killing myself. And, and you're mm-hmm. going like, oh, like that's, that's just crazy. That's so, it feels almost shocking when you hear it the first few times, because as a band, you're like, oh, wow. Like it's, it feels like a, I don't know. It's, it's hard to know what to say. Right. Cause you, you, you and, and I think as we've heard it more and more at first, we felt like, oh, there's no way they're exaggerating, whatever. And then you start to see that the, there's a lot of people like for, for whom music is truly like, um, truly like the lifeline, you know, like, like something that um, like, you know, when they're drowning, like it's their, I don't know, like, what do you call that when you throw that life uh, jacket? Yeah. Like something, you know, like, <laughs> Uh, like a lifeline really and and it's kind of crazy and it's amazing so hopefully that song we try to capture that feeling and it can be music it can be anything else but just the idea of like you need something or someone sometimes and it's okay to, sh- to be vulnerable and and to ask for help and it's okay to you know have something that you can rely on that's there for you I think in fact I think it's essential especially the last two years that we've had where a lot of people have been going through some really tough times and, you know, had to deal with things that they never had to deal with before and things that were really, really challenging. Um, yeah. People have to find their antidote, whatever that is for them. Um, so hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully that song helps them to realize how important it is, you know, to have do you that. Ever, do you ever think you recognize like um, the pain in a fan, like just, I'm just going to use my own example. Like I said, my grandpa died and I really never, I was so young. I never, I was very attached to him and I never really figured out how to grieve for him. So I never really, he never really was dead. And my dad was not present. And I became like a big fan of Brian Cranston, who was the dad on Malcolm in the Middle. And later he was on Breaking Bad. And I put it in my head that I was going to meet Brian Cranston. So I went to the Toronto Film Festival and Brian Cranston was like, nope. And he went that way. And I was like, oh, I'm so heartbroken. But the director of the film, she crossed the street and she was, she really liked me. She said, like, I think you're really pretty. I'm giving your phone number, whatever. Six months later, she called me and she put me in a room with, with Brian. And I walked up to him and I was like, I don't know if I'm getting like Walter White. I don't know if I'm getting a nice guy. I don't know what I'm getting. And he looks at me and he says, what's wrong with you? And I said, nothing's wrong with me. Like, you know, I look like this. I'm fine. And he goes, I am too old. I can see it in your eyes. What hurt, what's hurting you? And I said, well, always wished that I could have had a dad like you. And within two seconds, this man is crying and he's hugging me. And he's like, I'm going to be here for you forever. And I didn't think I was ever going to hear from him again. And to this day, he still checks on me. He still cares. Do you ever see a fan that you just know, like they're lying about like just the physicality, like it's all a show and you just can see that there's pain in there and you wish you could kind of take it away? Well, um, wow. It's a big question. I, I think it happened many times and I think, I don't know what it is about this band, but I think people feel very comfortable about sharing things with us. And I think people feel like 
we've been there, I guess, in some ways with our music for them. So they feel they can be transparent and they can be really honest and, and kind of forthcoming. So we've had many people just kind of come up and just, hey, can I speak to you for a minute and kind of tell us whatever was going on in their lives and whatever was bothering them. So, um, and, and it's very a very humbling position because it's hard as much as, and sometimes you, you want to do so much, but there's, it's, it's hard it's hard to do like you're at the, you're at a show, you got, you know, you're leaving the next day. Like it's hard to really get um, like, you know, personally like involved in the way that maybe that you wish you could. But I think that these moments, these few minutes you have with them, um, if you just, you're there to listen and you're like, you show some empathy and you're compassionate and you give them a chance to, um, to, to, to talk to someone that I guess in some ways they feel they can trust. Uh, I think just that is, is already something that they've been wanting for a long time and, and they feel, I think they feel seen and they feel appreciated. And that's, that's already like a big, a big step for a lot of them is just to have somebody like an outlet to talk to, because it's painful to carry that, um, in, in yourself and never have anybody to share it with. And, and sometimes, unfortunately, it's always kind of shocking to me that they might not have the family support or the like the friend network that um and they feel like the like best person to to do that with is, is a band member which is kind of like it makes you feel a bit like it kind of knocks you off your feet a little bit sometimes with the depth of what people will share with you and but i think you just try to be there and you just try to show them that you actually are you know you care and and uh you give them and, and sometimes it can be as simple as a few words of encouragement and just like because I, I know some people have said like hey i met you 10 years ago and, and you told me not to give up and you told me to be strong and here I am like I was able to you know get off drugs and 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 what they don't realize is it's not really what the person said they just needed to have a little bit of encouragement it was already in them the strength and the capacity to overcome obstacle it's in all of us sometimes we just don't realize it and it's hard for us to tap into it you know uh, but maybe you just need five minutes with someone that make you feel confident that make you feel like, no, like you got this, you're capable. You just need to have one person, whoever that is, whether it's a band member or a friend or an actor like you, like yeah. you just need to have somebody just kind of show you that they believe in you, you know, that, um, that, um, they, they think you can make it out of whatever situation you're in and that's enough, you know, like, and, and, and I think that whenever it happens, we just try our best to give that to people, just the encouragement, just the belief, like, Hey, like you got this and I'll see you at the next show, you know, like I'll, I'll, I'll see you next time we're here. And we've kept in touch with people and, and, so, and now it's on social media. Like you get these DMs from fans. And so sometimes like I always go through them and try to like answer as many as I can and just kind of like, and just, try to, you know, show that, Hey, I'm there. Like you're not like, this is not falling on, 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 you know, deaf ears. And like, there's people, like there's somebody who's, who's, um, who's there to, I don't know, show support, I guess, in, in some ways. And, and, and I know that it means that two minutes out of my day sometimes can mean a lot for some people. So it's like, yeah, of course we'll do it. You know? Yeah. Well, not everybody has that mentality. I mean, I, when I went into the arts as an actor, because my, if I sing now, you're going to run the other way. <laughs> but um, because I want to, at some point to do what, you know, what Brian has done for me and what you have done for so many people, because I think there, like, there are a lot of people out there who, who need the person that I needed when I was like, you know, 15, 16. And they right. need to, they need to be told that like, no, like, why is it impossible? It, like people who say to me like that I went to high school with like why are you still doing this it's impossible no it's impossible for you it's still possible for me as long as I'm believing that it's possible and that's what you do you give so many people I don't know how you do it it's like a, it's a very beautiful thing and it's not just you all you know all Pierre and and um, Sebastian and oh lord why am I blanking Jeff, I know his name and it just, I just blanked it, Jeff. Okay. And even, you know, he's not in the band right now, but even David have all touched people in ways that you don't, some of them have probably never reached out. So that's the beautiful thing about arts, acting, whatever, all of it. And I've been to 
all your tours. <laughs> so I've seen, you know, Pierre, when he sings this song, say in my life, he goes around and he sort of touches people's hands. And you sort of see sometimes if you're really paying attention, some of them aren't really quite ready to let go and he's ready to leave. Right. And that's, you know, it's life-changing. My mom today is a bigger fan than me. And if I have to hear jet lag, halfway with Matty May one more time I'm gonna break the, the player there's no player anymore but yeah no my like I turned my mom into a simple plan fan at first she was like this is loud this is just noise and now she's like wait a minute I'm listening to it and I'm I'm getting it and That's awesome well say hi for us oh she, last year Pierre sang jet lag for her for Christmas and he forgot the words he was so he's singing and she's like oh no he messed up and I was like how do you know like he knows it know better that? than the band. Man, that's good. <laughs> yeah, right. and she'll be so excited to see you guys in February because you're, you're touring all across Canada. Yeah, we're coming back to Canada. It'll be great. Yeah, we're, we're coming back to Ottawa and all over. We're playing 21 shows across Canada. No, Ottawa. I don't want to see that place ever again. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we had we have great memories there. We didn't, you know, it's it's been great. But we love, we love playing everywhere. So it's going to be really fun. 21 shows with the Offspring. Uh, I'm excited. Are you opening? I uh, like we're supporting the yeah we're we're playing with uh, with Offspring it's their it's their headline tour and okay. you know they were kind enough to invite us to uh, play with them and we grew up you know loving that band and they were like one of the first bands that we discovered in sort of that that made us want to play this kind of music so um, it's gonna be special I'm excited I'm excited for you and I'm excited to see you guys again because it's been a really long time it's it awesome. feels like. It feels like forever, you know, and like you said, it does. It almost feels like we're all friends in a weird way, if that makes any sense at all. <laughs> that's kind of how we I mean, that's kind of how we, we, we approach the whole thing is that, we, you know, we don't try to make the band like there's no hierarchy. We try right. to kind of like everybody's in this together. And um, and when we meet people, especially the fans from, you know, from day one, the fans that have been following the tours and that have been, you know, you know, doing like 10 shows on every tour or something. And in Europe, there's a lot of them in the US and Canada, like people are coming to Malta. Like there's some fans that we know that have seen like 100 plus shows. So obviously these people were just like, man, like they're, they're, you know, they feel like friends. Like we, we literally know about their lives and they tell us like, oh yeah, like my brother's doing that. And I'm, you know, I got this job and now I got this new job. You know, it's like, you kind of like, you loosely, keep touch about what the you know how how they're doing and everything and you get updates and, and so it's it's yeah it's quite special it's it's not just like uh like a blank face in the crowd like they've become they've become like uh like a close circle of of, of people that we uh that we care about you know yeah and i just i can't get over how much of a like a special person you're all special but you in particular just because of that one memory of that thing with the going up there I've never seen anybody do anything like that and I've been to a lot of concerts. I enjoyed it it was so much fun like it just I <laughs> I think there's something special when when you when you break that sort of border that like yes. that wall between like the performer and and the band so like recently in the last I don't know I want to say three four years like I've been stage diving in the crowd yes like, I know <laughs> Yeah, which has been really fun because, like, I don't know, it creates excitement. Like, you can feel people are like, can't believe you're doing that. And um, it's just there's this energy and there's like this. It feels like, okay, all of a sudden, like, you're not just up there. You're one of us. And going in, in, in the nosebleeds, like, you know, that was the whole point was kind of like, doesn't matter if you got the best seat in the house or if you're just you got the last seat in the house. You're you're all we're all here together. We're so happy you're here. And we want to make this like this moment special and we want to reach out and not just like be like separated. There's no separation. You know what I mean? Like we're, we're, we're all in this thing and we want it to be special for everyone. And that's kind of the idea, I guess, in some ways, you know, a band with such a big heart and zero Grammys. <laughs> I don't uh, get it. <laughs> we got two Junos. Here you go. That's there's, there's that. I and mean, there's still time. Hey, you know, I'll tell you what, you're always three minutes away you know, from the best song you ever wrote or from the Grammy or whatever. So maybe that's actually really good advice. Uh, maybe they'll, you know, maybe there'll be one that's going to do something special. Who knows? We don't know. That's why 
that's the magic of writing music and making new records is you don't know your you i think if we felt that our best days were behind us we would kind of like be like okay like i'm not sure i want to make new records and new song i think we have to have that that ambition that drive to be like all right like this next record is gonna be the best one we ever made and honestly i know every band says that and it's cliche but like if i look back at our last record at the time we did our best and we put every effort and, and all our heart into it but now if i listen now i'm like ah you know it, it's it's i don't know for some reason maybe it didn't connect i feel like this one that's coming is like it's everything that we wanted to do as a band like it's exactly because i think one of the big reasons is because we embrace who we are like we're not trying to be like there's as a band sometimes you you kind of run away from what you are because you're like oh we gotta be we gotta be different like oh people will think it's too similar or blah blah, blah. or like oh no as a band you always need to evolve and and there comes a point where you're like no you know what we're cool with who we are we're cool with um with 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 who simple plan is and let's make a simple plan record and that's what we did so the antidote is sort of like the first taste but it's 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 a really good indication of what's coming because i feel like it's quintessential simple plan uh but at the same time like a modern version of it like who we are in 2021 2022 whatever you know so um i'm excited for people to hear it and maybe there's a song on there that will do something special who knows but we already we always been the people's band we've never really been like the critics or the like the award kind of band that's never been our thing i would rather have people at the show yeah. that are loving it than to have i mean obviously i'm not gonna lie and say it wouldn't be nice of course but we've we've sort of chosen our side you know we're on the people's side fair enough i'm writing a screenplay so eventually when i finish that it's gonna need a song maybe that's the grammy song maybe you there can write you a song right? <laughs> yes Perfect. Um, yeah, you know I just, yes, yeah, so I'll just DM you and you'll be like, nah, tabernak, not her again. No, <laughs> um, you, you know, I can't wait to see the movie. It's, it's a sad movie. It's about my grandpa. Well, there you <laughs> so go. It's oh, not man. sad. It's only sad that he dies. The, the, well, the rest often, is beautiful. It's, well, it's often, uh, you know, from whenever you're going through some stuff that's like painful, that's usually where, you know, good art comes from. So. Well, you have a son now, uh, a yes. beautiful son with beautiful hair that I envy so much. <laughs> and it's, I think you, you would sort of, it, it's something that would appeal to you because my grandpa was like super protective of me. Like he knew my dad wasn't going to be there. So he's like, let me just step in, but I only have so much time. And wow. with that time, he made like a lifetime. Like, and that's what, that's why I'm wanting my movie about it, which is probably why like a lot of your, where a lot of your songs come from a lifetime of loving music and experience. And I'm excited for the next album. I don't think the last one was bad. Taking one for the team. I say that. I just, I'm just saying, I like this one better. This I think one. the the one that I liked the best out of all of them, probably not the one you liked the best was um, get your heart on. I liked it. I really liked I think, it. I think my two favorite records in terms of the songwriting and the art, like the, the cover art and everything, like the, the whole the whole package for me are still not getting any. The second record and the fourth record, Get Your Heart On. And that second one. This sixth one, you know, is going to be like those six. three. Will be, obviously, No Pads is, will always be special. It's the first one. But I feel like we're, we're at the height of our, like creative whatever um would have been a yeah, second and fourth record and and this sixth one coming up so maybe it's like maybe we don't like the we, we only like the even numbers you know two four six do you so think it's because is, uh, you're getting older huh? do you think it's because like we're all kind of getting older so when you hear some of these songs now you're just like why did i write this like I, there's not a simple plan song that i don't like but the other day i was just like i'm just gonna listen to everything and then I started playing it. And then I hear Pierre like saying, you know, I'm impolite and I make fun of everyone. <laughs> I'm like, that's not true. Like at all. Not now. Right, right, right. right. Uh, well, I mean, obviously, look, I think I'm, there was a producer that told us, I mean, I think it was a lot of wisdom. And he's like, every record's a snapshot of, of, of who you are at the time. And it's all, it's like a class picture, you know, like when you look back and at your class picture from, you know, whatever, 1996 for me and go oh my why was I wearing that why was I wearing <laughs> America but at the time 
it felt authentic. It felt genuine. It was like, that's what I wanted to wear. That's, what, that's how I wanted to look. So every record has that. And obviously now as, as you get older, you're, I think, a, a bit more conscious of the legacy and, and you're more conscious of the fact that it, it will be part of the history of, of your band and all that. So I think you're, you, you, as you get older, you think a bit more of, of what you're putting out there. Um, and you, be, but at the same time, you don't want that to be like stopping you from trying new things. So it's a balance, you know? Yeah. And I'm going to let you get back to your life, but I'm just going to ask you one more question. What do you say not to me? Cause I'm not a kid anymore. What do you say to the kid who's sitting there? Who's, you know, in their room who really wants to be a musician or an actor or whatever, and has somebody who's telling them that they're not, you know, they don't have the talent or they're not pretty enough or they're not this enough, but they really know like you did, do you really know that this is the thing for you? What do you say to that kid? Um, I think the advice that I would offer is just, you know, you're going to hear no all the time from everyone, not just from people close to you, that, but from people in the industry, from people like, uh, from, from friends, from whatever, that people are going to tell you like, ah, forget about it. And people, even when you're going to try, you're going to fail and you're going to, and you, you have to look at these things as, uh, like stepping stones and you have to look at them as like fuel as as some motivation you know like I think that's that's the big thing like we got turned down by so many record labels you know when we would send a demo and we were we were so close to getting signed to Sony Canada at the time I remember like we literally had a deal on the table and then they fired their president the new one came in and she's like now nah, I'm not gonna sign them and it was so crushing you know it was kind of like oh man but at the same time it was the best thing that ever happened because we ended up signing with Lava Record with with like Atlantic. So sometimes um, there are blessings in disguise. Like sometimes you don't realize at the time, but they're gonna make you they're gonna make you a better performer. They're gonna make you a better band, a better actor, whatever. Um, so don't don't get discouraged. Number one, get used to hearing the word no. But more importantly, and I think that's there's something that I'm a little bit. Um, like without starting a whole new conversation, but there is this whole <laughs> thing about like, oh, you need to manifest and you need to put out like, you know, your dreams in the world and they will come true. And I think that there's a part of it that yes, you have to visualize and you have to envision what can happen and you have to believe and you have to dream. That's a really huge part. But there's the other part is that if you only do that and you ain't going to get you anywhere, you need to really put in the work. And I think you need to work harder than the person next to you. You know, like you got to, you gotta want it more. You gotta be ready to um, to do things like to sacrifice, to like miss parties and you know to miss like school events or whatever. Like you just need to like realize that um, it's it's hard. It's not easy. And the only way you can actually do it is if you buckle down and you really go for it and 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 you work harder than you ever thought you could work in your life. And that's really that's kind of like the, the the first part is like the romantic thing like all oh, the advice or like believe in your dreams but then there's the pragmatic thing where it's like well if you only do that it's not going to happen and you really need to and you need to use that dream and as motivation to keep you going when working is hard because it will be hard um so i think that's if that's one advice and it's i don't want it to sound like a bummer but it, it's you 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 need to do more than just um like visualize the dream there needs to be like action you know every day like every day basically wake up and do something that was the deal that my parents made with me it's like okay you're not gonna go to school all right fine you're gonna be working every day on your band uh and i think it was a great deal because it was like you're not gonna wake up at noon and just do nothing all day and no you're gonna be like out there hustling and you're gonna like every single day you're gonna do one one thing on your list to get you closer to that dream. And I think it was wonderful advice. So I would say do that, make it like every day is a chance to get a bit closer. So, you know, put in the work. That's why I put Tom Brady over the antidote because he used to talk about it. And then I, I listened to him and he said, I knew that I could do it. And then they said, you couldn't do it. And then I was like, wait a minute, I have to work 10 times harder than everybody else. And he did. And that's how he became, you know, Tom Brady. Sorry. 
So I need to learn how to be like Tom Brady and, and like you guys. <laughs> Thank uh, you so much My for, pleasure. Thank for you. joining me. I, I absolutely adore all of you. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure there was a point in my life when I really thought I was going to marry Sebastian and then it just didn't work out for me. <laughs> well, you never know, you know, maybe one day second marriages happen. No, 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 no. I'm okay. He's too old now. I see. You know, he's hot when you're young, but then when you're a little bit older, you're like, no, he's doing, no, I'm kidding. I love Sebastian. I love you. I love Pierre. I love Jeff. I love everyone. You guys are all just amazing people. Um, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and call you guys old men like Beckett did. (laughs) He's like, Pierre's an old dude. And I'm like, no, you can't say that. But no, I I think being in a band keeps you young. Yes, it does. The arts keeps you young. You don't, you haven't really aged, to be honest. You look pretty much the same. I, I do too. It's the Zoom light, you know. No, I've seen you on, you know, on socials. No, so I mean, I'm like, honestly, like I really think it makes a big difference. It makes a big difference to, to you know, to keep listening to new music, to keep to, to be out there, to not have a job that you don't like, you know. Yes. Um, that's a big difference. Oh, Chuck, you're the best. Thank you so much, and I'm ex- I'm excited to see you in in February. Maybe, maybe I'll try to get like one of those really expensive tickets and try to like steal your drumsticks and try to learn it. I don't know. Oh. It's not going to happen. I'll send you a package. <laughs> I wish I would die. I would put it right beside my signed Tom Brady jersey. All right. We'll have to take care of that. Get on that wall. I love it. Really? You would do that for uh, me? Send me That's your address. We'll try to see what we can do. Ah, that's awesome oh my gosh well this experience was really more than i wanted wow um thank you and please keep making this music because i need it but there are kids that need it and i'm gonna i'm gonna put it in the world for people who don't know it then you obviously have a fan base that loves you to death um you were supposed to give me 20 minutes and you gave me an hour so thank you this i'm just Uh, you have how much fun was that? How educationally fun was that? It was like a big fangirl moment for me because like I said, I've been a fan of Simple Plan since before you even knew what a simple plan was. Um, wow. I still can't believe that Chuck took the time out of his day to talk to me for pretty much an hour, which is an awful lot of time when you're a busy, busy man. So again, I just want to thank Chuck so much for coming on the show for, um, you know, inspiring me again. Like this band has inspired me over and over and over again. It's also been an antidote for me, you know, multiple times in my life because they sing about, you know, teenage, teenage angst and we've all been there. Um, and they sing about what it's like to not have, you know, a perfect life and I think that a lot of commercial music today, especially kind of glamorizes, you know, like social status and, and, and economic status. Simple Plan has never been about that. And it's always been about empowering human beings. And it still is. And um, I left this interview a different person than I was going into it, which is my favorite. I always feel like if you go to a movie, when you leave that movie, you should be a different person than you were before you went in because the experience should change you. And um, so I'm a different person than I was previous to having this conversation in the sense that I feel more, um, what's the right word? I feel more determined than ever to do the things that I want to do with my life. And God willing, I will be, you know, somebody else's Chuck Como. I will be somebody else's sort of you know, somebody that you look at and you go, this is a person that I like to emulate, not because, you know, they're so pretty and, and things like that. It's really the human aspect of, of it that I just, I'm so drawn to. Um, so simple plan is going back on tour, you guys with the offspring Canada only. Sorry if you live in the U S or Europe or Japan, because they are a global band now. But Canada looks forward to them coming home because, you know, we miss them. And I look forward to seeing them perform, you know, here in February. It's going to be a great show. So if you're in Toronto and you happen to be at the show, 
you happen to see, you know, a dollar store Barbie walking around, that's me. So just say hi. <laughs> this was really just one of my favorite shows. And that's probably why I'm just rambling on. So yeah, that's really all I got. I'm just, I'm really gobsmacked and I'm impressed. And um, that's, yeah. <laughs> when somebody leaves me speechless, you know, they did something right because I love to talk. As always, this podcast has been brought to you by TB12 Sports, unofficially, of course. Um, on that note, Tom Brady, I love you, but you got to wake that O-line up or we're not going to the Brady Bowl. <laughs> officially sponsored by Michael Salberg Family Wines, which you can check out. Their name is um, Michael Salberg Family Wines on Instagram and Twitter. So head over there, check out their wines, super affordable and really delicious. They've also partnered with, um, Leah Vandale, AKA Carmela of WWE on her brand Capacanya. So you can try that out too. Um, and you can check out Capacanya at Capacanya on Instagram, C-A-P-A-C-A-G-N-A. That's the handle. And my handle on Twitter, of course, is a blonde who talks, A-B-L-O-N-D-E-W-H-O-T-A-L-K-S. You can head over there and let me know what you thought about the show. Let me know um, what you want to hear me talk about in the future, who you'd like to hear me talk to in the future. And I will do my very best to make that happen because I enjoy talking to people. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, I'm going to end the show on that note. And um, I just want to say, I hope you have a great day, a great week, a great month, great next five minutes. But um, if you plan on never listening to this blog and talk about anything again, I hope you have an amazing life. And I sincerely mean that also before I go, let's not forget to say hello to my number one fan, Bobby. Hi, Bobby. Didn't forget about you. I just didn't think you were relevant this week. <laughs> All right. That's it for me. I am still Melanie with two L's because the spelling of your name doesn't change from one week to another. See you soon. Bye.